Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. It's the 4th of July weekend. What better person to uh, join us than the man many people consider the John Adams of America in 2014, our good friend, Bill Crystal. Bill, how you doing? I guess that's nice. I, I, <laughs> I always preferred Hamilton to Adams and maybe even Jefferson to Adams, actually. I know Adams is a little bit too much of a, you know, that kind of New England Puritan type. Right. But a very impressive man with all and, uh, and a great, um, you know, what a generation of the founders. I, I think they're more thinking that link. Paul Giamatto would play both of you in the movie. I think that's what they're really thinking, Bill. You know, I'll let you worry about it. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you make that decision. I, uh, but, you know, I was just rereading. I, last year I posted um, some recommended reading for July 4th, and one was the Lincoln speech. Uh, actually, but also a Frederick Douglass speech, an amazing Frederick Douglass speech from 1852, where he, uh, of course, says, you know, this is a uh, – he, he's – he sort of makes clear that for white Americans, celebrating July 4th makes sense. For black Americans, Negro Americans, as he said at the time, it's a very different feeling. But then he pays an amazing tribute for someone who, of course, is so uh, understandably and correctly upset about the institution of slavery. Uh, amazing tribute to the founding generation. And, and, and he says they're so much better than us today. And boy, you look around American politics today and you do think that, don't you? Yeah, you really do. And you know, one of the things when you're taking you know, liberty from a place where Politically, it just really didn't exist, and you create the opportunity for liberty. You've got such bright horizons. I wonder now in 2014, what do you think the status is of the idea of liberty, both here in the United States and then because many people associate you with uh, the movement of spreading liberty abroad, what's liberty's reputation out in the world? Well, I think the good news is the founders of the Declaration won in the sense that uh, what was a controversial proposition in 1776, all men are created equal, entitled to, not, to, to certain unalienable rights, etc. I think it's pretty widely accepted as a matter of at least principle or theory. I do think there aren't many, uh, except for Islam, I suppose, uh, the other you know, theoretical challenges to that, uh, especially national socialism and international socialism, Nazism and communism, uh, were defeated militarily and I think intellectually in the 20th century. And so in that respect, people all around the world, in Asia and in the Middle East and Latin America, uh, want liberty. I think that's true. It doesn't mean that they know how to construct institutions to preserve it. It doesn't mean that there are lots of people who aren't happy to be uh, autocrats or, or, to, or dictators or especially in the case of Islam, I would say, really reject liberty fundamentally. But I think the, the, the power of liberty remains strong. And where it has broken out, where it has been successfully established, even for a little while, it's surprisingly hard to get rid of. That, that I think, is a good sign. The bad sign is we should never underestimate the difficulty, as the founders did not underestimate the difficulty, of setting up institutions that preserve liberty. You know, one of the things that bothered me about the debate uh, and then the, the reaction, which we, we talked about earlier to the Hobby Lobby case, is a number of people who have no problem at all just completely setting aside the notion of the freedom of the family that owns Hobby Lobby. That, that was almost like something you didn't even have to, yeah, 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 whatever. Let's get to the real issue. Why aren't you paying for the birth control? And it kind of bothered me that people who call themselves liberals just tromp over, just stomp on the issue of liberty on their way to their political objectives, not even feeling, Bill, the need to give lip service to the principle of, of individual freedom. I mean, 19th century liberals, mostly at least, uh, you know, liked liberty, maybe almost uh, revered liberty, maybe sometimes didn't understand the importance of other things in addition to liberty. But if you look at John Stuart Mill, for example, uh, and the critique was it's too much only about liberty. There's also order, there's also justice, there's also stability. There are other things that make for a good society. Uh, but that is not the case. It is now, it has now fallen to conservatives 
I believe, to be both the defenders of liberty and the defenders of the other things that probably need to counterbalance liberty or be, let's just say, maybe it's better to say, need to be added to liberty, to mixed in with liberty, to preserve a, a free and a decent and a, and a great society. So um, it is a funny thing, though, where conservatives are, are the defenders of liberty. And it's unfortunate because obviously it would be better if there were two parties that were committed to liberty. But it's really been striking over the last few weeks and months, and you and I have discussed this. Where are the liberals defending the right to free speech on campus? Where are the liberals defending religious freedom? Where are the liberals, at least, even if they don't want to commit force, even if they worry about all the difficulties of it, where are the liberals at least saying something about how they believe that in principle it would be good if we could help people fighting for freedom around the world? They really, I, I won't quite say they don't exist, but they sure don't speak out much these days. No, they don't. And you think about the past where you might have had people outside a movie theater protesting Life of Brian because it, they thought it was insulting to to Christianity. Those stories are long gone. That's You have to go back in the Wayback Machine to find those. But to find people today who will throw you off campus because someone uh, says that your views insult Islam or we will throw your religious liberty out of the way because it's part of the war on women – all of the the uh, kind of uh, stereotypes about Bible-thumping evangelicals, the reality is that if you're looking for that kind of thumping, you've got to move to the left. Right. I mean, he was a CEO of a, a company who lost his job because he had contributed to uh, a modest amount to a referendum that wouldn't have established uh, gay marriage in California, I think, uh, that would have said California is believed in traditional marriage and wanted that in the Constitution. He's the one who lost his job, right? It wasn't right. Christians who drove anyone out of a job for being an atheist or funding art that's offensive to Christians or other religions. This is a, really an unholy alliance, the kind of uh, the Islamists and, and elements of the left. You'd think that if you were a feminist or a gay, the last thing you'd want to be is sort of... Uh, uh, kowtowing and, and accommodating uh, illiberal demands of Islamists. But there's a lot of that, too, on campus. They managed, they seem to have managed to form a bizarre alliance, and um, all of it's unfriendly to liberty, I'm afraid. If the Founding Fathers were brought today from a time machine and you know stood with you and looked out at yeah. America, what would they comment on, do you think, as being most surprising and perhaps profoundly disturbing? And let's set aside the obvious example, Bill, which, of course, is the widespread... Uh, uh, presence of soccer, which I know yeah. would shock and horrify them the most. But setting aside the fact that soccer is spreading across America, what else do you think they would see? You know, I think they would worry that what they feared was going to happen is happening, which is um, a kind of dependency, a kind of uh, lack of what they would have called manly independence, but we can just call uh, independence of character. The things that Tocqueville were worried about, as well as the founding fathers, that the ways in which democracies uh, decay and degenerate, they were so aware of that. You read the Federalist Papers, that's what they try to build institutions against. You read people more like John Adams, who you mentioned earlier, but also many, many other American thinkers, uh, and including poets and novelists, they were always worried more on the character side than the institution side about a kind of um, you know, proclivity towards a nanny state, towards looking to government to take care of you. And I think in both the on the character side and the institution side, if I can put it that way, there are things to be worried about. And I also think that some of our, some of our conservative friends go too far in a kind of declinism and assume that there's nothing to be done. There's a lot of manly spirit in America. There are a lot of sound institutions. The institutions can be rebuilt where they're not so sound. There's a lot of impressive character. Uh, shown by Americans every day, including younger Americans whose politics may have gone off the rails a little bit with 
for the attraction of Barack Obama the last couple of election cycles. But if you think of what they're actually doing, I think in some ways more impressive than, than my generation, certainly the 9-11 generation who fought for us or uh, did, did more than you know people like me did. So I, I really um, – I, I think it's a mixed bag, and I, I actually am pretty pretty hopeful. But uh, you know, you read the papers, you read the papers. That shows how old-fashioned I am. You, you read stuff. <laughs> I don't even I don't read the papers. I just use the I just use the phrase reading the papers. But you read you read stuff online, some of from newspapers, the last week or so, and you do think, geez, what is happening around the world, and what is happening in America? Uh, and so that was I was going to conclude with that question, which is, what do you see that gives you the most hope? And one of the things that I see is that. Almost against our best efforts, people in the world still look to America as a beacon of freedom and liberty. No matter how badly we screw up, no matter how many, you know, what much waffling we do in Egypt, no matter how much we abandon the Ukraine, somehow people around the world still look to America and say, you guys are fundamentally the good guys. I think that's really true. I just uh, yesterday saw a friend, uh, acquaintance really, who'd come back from a trip to many places, some of them pretty exotic and backward. And I was complaining about American foreign policy in a week we were. And when I talked to some diplomats, they said, you know, what are you guys doing? You've just checked out. Uh, and don't you understand that what your role has to be? And he said what struck him was how much sort of ordinary citizens in some of these countries continue to think that if only we could have those liberties and they're worth uh, fighting for and it's and they're grateful if America can help them achieve them. And I would say the same is true at home in the sense that the public is healthier than our elites. You know, when you look at the American public, there are all kinds of problems, social problems, cultural problems, economic problems. But I think uh, I think the public spirit remains strong. And I do think actually the founders would be pleasantly they'd be disappointed by our elites and pleasantly surprised by our public. Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us for this special Fourth of July conversation. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Michael. I enjoyed it. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.